Welcome back, everyone, to Until You Make It. My name's Chris, and thanks for taking a listen. Today, it's just going to be me and Mr. Mike Yadvish talking about all kinds of stuff from uh, using miniatures, talking about uh, the film Tenet that came out recently, and uh, also if ghosts are real is, is what we got into in this show. Also, a little fun announcement for the next show, actually. We're going to be having a, a super cool guest on by the name of Evan Schiff, who just happens to be most well-known for his work on John Wick 2 and John Wick 3, believe it or not, as both the film's main editor, uh, which is super exciting for us um, doing all of our action stuff. So we can't wait to talk to him. It's going to be a fantastic show. But until then, uh, let's talk about uh, ghosts and stuff. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a Dead Mouse song. <laughs> All right, well, we're live. <laughs> hey, everyone. How's it going? Welcome to the show. Of course, across from me, Mr. Michael Yadmish. And um, we have a few different things to talk about today. Some things that I've been working on, some things that Mike's been working on. And uh, once again, Good evening. we thought it would be fun to do a live stream because, um, because we can. <laughs> CJ just popped in the chat and he says, cook for us. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you can't tell... We are inside Mike's kitchen. <laughs> CJ, do you want scallops? I, I'm always making scallops. You're always making scallops. Usually at least once a week. Although I haven't made them this week, I usually make scallops once a week. <laughs> well, CJ, come on over. You, you officially got the invite. But yeah. Um, Follow up to the last episode is that I finally decided on what camera to get. That's right. uh, Blackmagic released a 6K Pro. Go figure. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I kind of dug into this, but I didn't, uh, I only really heard the three things about it from you, which was like what, what makes it uh, better over the original 6K, next generation color science from Blackmagic, the internal ND filters, and then the, uh, the flip out screen. For 500 more dollars, that's like kind of a no brainer. So I think there's three other things. Um, there's dual mini XLR inputs. They claim that they upgraded the I guess the internal battery, it's supposed to be better because now they have like that grip. It has, you can put two batteries inside of it, but it has a separate connector on the bottom. So really you're powering the camera with three batteries, Um, but it also uses now the Sony NP or NF or yeah, the 750 or something. I mean, that's just one of the new tools that we would have at our disposal. Something cool that you were showing me before was uh, this like storyboarding app that you've been using. Well, I, um, I talked about it a while ago on the show. I think it was like episode three or episode four. And I, I hadn't used it since then. But um, initially when I saw it, it w- they were marketing it as an app for storyboarding. And I had a project come up recently where they needed storyboards. And I, we famously say, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm not a, a like a traditional hand drawing artist. I can't draw for, for the life of me. And I think I'm Mike. So <laughs> I kind of got the perfect opportunity to be like, all right, let's see what this can, thing can do. So the client requested. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to see um, some kind of initial stage. We're, we're working on a, a marketing campaign for kind of a national company that could be could be could be like a bigger thing there must be a lot of money behind it. yeah there there would be yeah potentially i mean if if this whole thing works out and uh we want to show them our progress so i did up this little storyboard i I always forget the name of it oh previous pro is the name of it we are not sponsored we are not sponsored but um if you're someone who needs to quickly get but sponsor us please i'm a sellout sponsor us <laughs> well let me just say i think this is the perfect solution for me as someone who is very technical about how a shot should look from a camera standpoint you know you know i can imagine a shot very well but i can't draw and it seems like it's like this is for that person previously like maybe episode two that we did a while ago we talked about how we both suck at drawing but we we talked about how we don't really use storyboards has using and i know this is for a work project would you see yourself using this for our next film project? Yeah. Do you feel like it's now part of your your arsenal? I for sure want it to be because one of the special things about the app too is you can do two things. You can either take a picture of an actual location and turn that into an image plane that you can then 
pop in little characters around so you can get, get an idea of your scene that way. Or you can use augmented reality to, while you're at the location, position characters in 3D space and, like, and use your camera as the camera and like walk around and see what shots work. It's something that I've, you know, we always talk about how we can imagine the shots and this kind of just puts that into a physical thing that you can then share with somebody and say, this is what I'm thinking. So I think it's very, uh, it's going to be very useful in future projects. I don't know how much you guys do of like selling a client on a project. Cause I mean, we do that for some of our clients, like they rely on us to come up with the ideas that they could use for marketing. So it's up to us to like come up with ideas. Do you think it would be a good idea to, to use that tool to storyboard our vision to help pitch it? I think so. Cause it, it, it's true too. people of, uh, that aren't in, in the creative positions. I mean, you talk to people all the time that are just like, they can't imagine it. So you gotta, you gotta put in front of them some, some kind of image that gets the idea across. Um, and that's the idea. Yeah. We have a we have a question from the audience. CJ says, "Has working in video production for companies helped your movie making ventures?" I say definitely. Yeah. Right. I mean, so a good example I can come up with is, um, I mean, well, first of all, just general experience. You know, the more you use your equipment. Um, the more you're going to be competent with it in the first place. So, uh, you know, you learn little things along the way all the time. For me, uh, I, once I started digging into into lighting more and figuring out like how to how to really make stuff good with lighting, I practiced that uh, with interview setups, which I do a lot of all the time. But I found ways to make stuff look better and better and better, and then took all that and applied it to our to our film stuff. So. I think that's a good example. And then I stole from Chris and then used it for my work. So <laughs> I learned the opposite way. <laughs> well, I learned a lot from working in video, doing video production for a company. But when we all come together to make a movie, I end up learning so much from Chris and then taking those and then using that and experimenting with those concepts uh, for work stuff. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Thanks, CJ. Appreciate it. But speaking of movie production stuff, we got to get until you make it mugs. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. We need mugs. We have, um, this is a, we have Apex coasters. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had a project recently that you got to do a technique that I think it was something that you've never done before. You used a window as a, as a light. I'm sorry, not a window. I used a mirror. Yeah, that's what I, we, we. That's right. I was like, wait, <laughs> to why is emulate that weird? to emulate a window. We use a. This is a really good idea that someone on YouTube came up with, and I'm surprised both by how many people don't know about it and how many people have kind of been using it in secret. And <laughs> it's it kind of feels like it's like an industry secret that like no one's really used before. Basically, the technique is having a like a 12 by 12 and 12 inch not 12 foot <laughs> big mirror <laughs> first you need the first, biggest mirror you, you gotta spend a thousand dollars on a mirror <laughs> <laughs> then but chris i could just buy an aperture no, no no it's not the same it's not the same. <laughs> um a small little mirror right that you can hold in your hands and basically, the video was using the example of, I saw a couple of different videos, but the one I looked at was one using it for food photography. So they already had a key light on this food that was laid on the table, you know, nice hero shot, nice, I forget what, it was some, some dish, you know, it looked, looked beautiful. Yeah, it's probably scalped. <laughs> and uh, they put a nice key light on it, it, looked like nice soft light, right? And then what they did was they introduced another uh, light that had a harder modifier on it. So it had kind of a Fresnel lens on it. Bounced that off of a 12 inch by 12 inch mirror, which reflected back onto the food at an angle in a square shape, because you know the mirror is a square. Then they gaff taped up the sides a little bit, made it into a rectangle. So now you have kind of a rectangle shaped light, but it's skewed and you start to see that looks like a window. That looks like window light. 
And then <laughs> they even put two smaller mirrors next to it. Now, this is going above and beyond. But he put then like a six by six inch mirror and a three by three inch mirror in different spots and bounce them either the same light or different lights at different angles. And it looked like, you know, little refractions. And all oh. of a sudden, it looked like just this gorgeous windows spill light coming through. It looked so natural, you know. You don't realize how, mu- how many times you're looking at a window and it, it refracts off of different things and creates that those weird little reflections. It was like perfection in imperfection, you know. That kind of idea of like, man, that looks just like it was shot next to a window, you know. So, he just used it for to essentially just texture the texture the shot really yeah because he didn't use it for like a practice you didn't use it to like oh this takes the place of my backlight or this takes place of my yeah well what if you can kind of imagine when they had that base key light which was giving everything just the base light the the light coming off the mirrors is more intense and it's not even going onto the food it's going onto the table yeah and it's going around it's staging you know and um yeah and it just looked like a perfect stock photo so we use that idea kind of similar for a project that we did where we needed to create uh we needed to make it look like it was sunset basically and we needed long shadows on these uh on some glassware that was on a table so we said hey we'll try it we bounced it off a 12 by 12 inch mirror at a low angle you know so that it gave us long shadows looked like a freaking window we're like wow it's that easy (laughs) you know that's something that's you know, more specific to um, when you're working in a small environment, but you can get the same effect across with, um, in one case, to make it look like there was a window behind somebody, and then you put gaff tape on it in stripes across it to make it look like blinds. So, you could do that, too. Um, So, there's kind of, there's a lot of different ways you could use that. You could also, if you did that same exact technique, and you had haze in the room, you would see the li- you'd see those harsh lines. You'd see the rays. Ooh, that is funny. Yeah. We should try that. <laughs> yeah. I've always want- wanted to do a shot with like where it looks like blinds, you know. So, maybe. You showed me a video recently about... <laughs> these guys who made this is all you asking me things that i've discovered in like the last two months (laughs) there's two things that i have later well i want to ask you about this because it is true i found a i was watching a behind the scenes of a um i think a world war one film was it a World War One, World War Two film? No, it might have been World War Two because they were Nazis. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because the whole thing was about. Did you wind up watching the film? By the way, it was really not good. the film. I just watched the portion you told oh, me to watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it was a really good short film that was on. Uh, I think it was on Amaletto or something. One of those uh, short film repository things. I was just watching this behind the scenes because it was really engaging. They they did a couple cool things, um, but my favorite thing they did was uh, an exterior shot on a shoreline so they ha- they were on a beach but it was kind of like calm water calm rocky waters on a beach in england it was supposed to be and um they used miniatures to make it look like there was a down world war ii fighter jet in the water with a bunch of people standing around it looking at the shoreline and if you wouldn't have told me that shot was miniature i wouldn't have known because it looked so good so when they reveal when they did the vfx swipe to like the miniature, I was like, holy crap, that looks really good. Like, they did a great job. I mean, the compositing was good too, but they didn't change that much. They didn't add that much to, you know, they essentially used a one, I, I forget what scale it was. It was like 132nd scale or 140 something scale uh, model that they painted to make look weathered. And they, uh, you know, kind of tore apart parts of it to make like it was down. And um, they put it in a lake, shot the plate. And then roughly match that angle in live production. Uh, it was probably the reverse, though. They probably did the live production and then match the miniature because they knew they were going to do that. And um, comped it in, and the thing looked great. And that got my wheels turning of, like, we could do that with anything. <laughs> Even the other stuff that was in that video about how they, of how they made the planes, that they had dogfighting scenes. 
in the sky. Like so, like just the way they had him on sticks and just. Well, they did. They did. They did. They made Star Wars. Pretty much. They, they made. Used, <laughs> yeah, they essentially used the modern version or the modern way to. I mean, to make Star it Wars. Took an older, an older technique, and yeah, yeah, exactly that. Used modern equipment. Right. It's just basically what Star Wars did, except shot on digital instead of film, so you didn't have to overlay the. Matt, you didn't have to mat out the, uh, yeah, the I mean, ship on the took, background. Took the hard part out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they took thing, things that ILM created entire new technologies for. Yeah. <laughs> it was now just done so simply. It got me thinking too about like how can we incorporate that into some of our uh, Star Wars projects? How can we incorporate that into just literally anything else? The Star Wars related. I found I found Hasbro have coming out with these uh these replica models that aren't even out yet. They're coming out like at the end of this month. They're available for pre order. Uh, they're like really highly detailed models. I think they're pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rubs my hands together. <laughs> I mean, it'd be so cool to make a like Star Wars fan film project it, with using a technique that Star Wars itself used. And it's interesting too in the uh, in the film. They didn't even show the crashing of the plane in the ocean because I think that obviously is harder to do. So the way they did it in the movie was they did a really cool shot where it was kind of on like a cliff face and the plane was diving, diving in the ocean and then it just goes below the cliff face so you don't see it crash. And I was like, oh, that's... But it looked good, you know? But after seeing the VTS, I was like, yeah, you couldn't figure out how to do it. You couldn't figure out how to do it. But they gave it, um, they gave it weight because there was a character reacting to it, and he thought it was like it was a little boy that thought it was like gonna hit him. So he like, and then it went. Boom. Okay, so, so the emotion was. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job of finding a way around that. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, yeah. um. But then the, the the miniature shot of it still in the water is just. Um, I'd love to try and replicate that with something. That's interesting because you, that you were able that you noticed stuff like that, <laughs> that they didn't attempt something or that they you knew that they couldn't figure something out i mean out. i'm i'm guessing that's i don't know that for a fact but it's probably not too far off <laughs> i do the same thing if i watch a if i watch so okay <clears throat> recently after the super bowl there was a show that came on after it premiered it was uh, the equalizer with queen latifah my aunt watches that show she watches that show now yeah. as if she as in she like likes it yeah why is it? I don't. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> Did you watch it? I watched it with. It was on uh, at my grandpa's the other night. I, mean, I was sitting there watching it. I, the first, the first fight scene came on, right? Okay. And me and I didn't see any fights. Oh my god! Me and Jackie were sitting there watching it. Same thing in, in the same way that you just pointed out um, that you picked up on something that either they didn't have time to figure out, uh, they didn't know how to figure it out, or they just avoided it entirely. I noticed the same stuff with fight scenes a lot of the time. Sure. So. But in mostly in terms of like, okay, they didn't have time to choreograph this. They didn't have time to teach Queen Latifah how to do any of this. They, for some reason, didn't want to use a stunt person. And they also didn't know how to shoot this. As we were watching it, literally, Chris, this is what was happening. Cut, 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 cut. Cut, 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 cut. Oh cut, my cut. god. That was the whole sequence. It was gun, hand, foot, face, guy, fall down. It, it's like <laughs> Queen Latifah. Guy, hand, shot, boom, boom, Queen, Queen Latifah. <laughs> I, I, I would rather have you do that for me than watch that action scene because that is way more entertaining. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it, it was so bad on levels of, of budgetary restrictions, time, having enough time not having Queen Latifah available for anything. And I follow the guys. I'm pretty confident in saying that I would know if they got her to train because I follow all the guys who train all the guys. Like I follow the the same, the team that trains John Wick, that trains Keanu, trains Halle Berry, trains the guys for Blue Bloods, trains the guys, trains Kevin Hart for a new movie he has coming out. Even TV shows, even TV show actors and movie actors go through Terran Tactical uh, for a lot of their training. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty clear that they only had a guy on set to show Queen Latifah how to hold a gun properly. I mean, when you're, when you're there doing it, when you're doing the production, it's like to have that many angles 
of something. And to have that many insert shots, if you don't get coverage of a fight scene like that, taken three level of that fence jump, that's what it was like. But an, an entire fight scene, you don't get coverage like that unless you know you need it. Right. It was, that goes against everything that we practice. So essentially, not to say that it's wrong, but it does everything that they would, that that side would say is wrong. It's pretty much wrong, though. It's pretty much wrong. <laughs> it's pretty much wrong, though. Because it was horrible. So I have one argument or one reason why they had to do what they did. Because I understand from this one perspective, this one perspective only, is that even Keanu himself says in an interview, John Wick is only as good as Keanu. The character is only as good as I can be. That's why Keanu has to train so hard. He is the character. The character he is the movie. He is the movie. So it's so the Equalizer is a movie starring Denzel Washington, and there's two of them. I don't know how that gets turned into a TV show starring Queen Latifah. You can't just have an original role for a person. You have to like rip off a movie that has a name so that because you're what are you afraid that no one's going to watch it? Getting worked up about this. Sorry, I just I have. Feelings with lazy TV shows, lazy network shows that go on CBS and NBC and Fox. They did it with Lethal Weapon. How long did that last? One fucking right. season? Yeah. Are you kidding me? How do you turn Lethal Weapon, a four-movie super trilogy like that everyone loves, with characters that everyone loves and knows, and you recast it, and you turn it into a fucking network TV show? Anyway, the point was, Queen Latifah has to be the equalizer. She's playing... She's playing a certain character that has a certain ceiling and has a certain skill level that she has to be on that same level. And if she's not, she just sucks. <laughs> so, well, there's a way there's a, I mean, if it sucks, it sucks, right? Well, there's techniques of like when you're first starting out doing action scenes and you're trying to hire actors for a fight scene, right? You're, you're asking them, oh, okay. So like, what, what is your background? You, you do sports. You know, did you do any kind of martial arts, gymnastics? You know, what are you versed in? You know, what, are, what is your, you're trying to judge what their coordination level is at. You're trying to judge what they're capable of doing because you have no budget. You have no time to tr send them to training for months to get, you know, you're just, you're working with what you got. So you come up with a fight scene based on what they're able to do. And that doesn't mean that they're fighting as their character. They're basically fighting on their own level, and you're trying to make that look as good as possible. So it's the same thing with Queen Latifah. She's only as good as they make her be. And it looked like they didn't make her do anything. Yeah, be anything. <laughs> they didn't make her be anything. <laughs> they tried to edit and shoot the thing as if she was the equalizer, and that's where it looked. But the, how is that? It's a recipe for failure. Yeah, yeah man. It's just, it's just yeah, stuff happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's my rant <laughs> rant over <on> the equalizer it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny bring that up watching and following the show daredevil for example uh the, the the fight scenes and action sequences and the work that the people put into that and the time that they had to get things done that would never happen on a network show it was just it would never happen it was like movie level time right. and work All right, what's next? Oh, Chris, I don't know if you heard the news. I was asked to be a judge for Saber Cop this year. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So that means this year we, we won't be entering the competition, but I have to judge. Can I make like a meme entry? <laughs> yeah, you, that you just enter yourself? Yeah. I, technically, I could still you, submit, yeah. <laughs> You get Dan and Eric to do it to do it with you. You guys do it completely behind my back. Keep me out of it entirely. That would actually be really funny though, because then I would be forced to judge it. You would be forced to judge it. Yeah, and you'd be hard on us. That would be hilarious. You'd be hard on us. Um, but no, but but I have to give people feedback. Right. Um, I think that's really hard, and that's something that I'm. Just for example, recently I had some guys reach out to me from the competition asking for specific advice. There was a guy, there's some people in the comments who ask for advice on some certain topics and certain things and I try to answer as best I can. But I had a guy in particular from the competition ask me advice on, on, on acting and directing and kind of like starring in your own project. How do you direct yourself 
tips for choreography, tips for uh, directing yourself and, and doing the action. Like, it's just like a whole whirlwind of, whirlwind of questions where it's like, where do I begin? Where do I begin to even give you advice? What do you like to hear back as feedback? But that doesn't really have a good answer because you shouldn't be looking for anything because that doesn't make any sense. What are you looking to receive and feedback? Nothing. Just watch the movie. It's like, <laughs> tell me if it's good or bad. I don't know. But like... Well, no, I think it's I think it's when you're in a situation where you can have someone who's more experienced than you look at your work, you're asking to receive some of that experience, right? Yeah. I did an exercise where I went back and watched all of the entries from last year and tried taking notes, tried taking notes on like common areas that of, of things that I learned over the years that they could be implementing or that they could be doing better. But they're all things that I personally learned of like, for example, action overlap, just overlapping action. I mean, that's essential. It sounds essential. I mean, it is essential, but it sounds simple. Sorry, it sounds, it sounds essential, but really you don't need it at all. <laughs> it is essential. And you go, shit, I'm about to learn something. <laughs> it's essential. And it's, and, and it's not that it's overlooked. It's something that is not as simple as it seems, and it doesn't come to mind when you're in the middle of doing the thing. Sure. It can be a hard thing to really put your finger on if you don't know what it is you didn't do. Yeah, so as you're saying this, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about um, what are going to be good things to, to talk about when you're actually in a judging situation. How do you think you're going to approach critiquing from an actual choreography stance? Because that's more editing. You know, you're obviously more versed in that than I am. So for me, I don't care about, I don't care what you do choreography wise. There are some levels of like, this is more creative than this. You could argue, you can get into that like criticism of like, oh, they're being really creative and you're seeing things that you've never seen done before, or they're doing things in interesting ways. But to me, that's not all choreography is. And I would not, I would not give that person more merit over someone else. Yeah. Because what I look for is the performance of the, of the actors and of the characters and the, and the performance and the emotion of the choreography that they're performing. I don't want it to look staged. Like I don't, I like choreography that has, is, is visceral. It's, it's, um, it feels like the characters are, in a fight, these are fight scenes. They're not like, yeah, they're not, it's not a stage play. It's not a stage play. They're not. They're not dances. Like as much as people say, oh, choreography is like a dance. Not fight choreography. I don't follow. I don't care if they're they're Sith, Jedi, or what. These characters are fighting and fighting to the death, and they're fight or or not to the death. Depends on your story. I want to see action that that has a story to it. I want to see action that has a purpose. Yeah, purpose. That too. I want to know why these people are are fighting. If your choreography involves you doing the same repetitive sequence and you're doing the same like few moves back and forth, I don't really care if that's your choreo, but you better perform the hell out of that, that repetitive sequence. Do what you're capable of doing. You don't need to go be overly creative and reinvent the lightsaber duel. Mm. You don't need to do that. Um, what you need to do is perform the best lightsaber fight that you're capable of doing and film it the best way it captures the emotion or captures the story of the fight you're trying to of the story of the action that you're trying to tell why are these characters fighting who are these characters what are they fighting for your action should all just be uh motivated by those things um i'm really looking forward to doing it. it's gonna be really exciting um i'm probably gonna ask you for help on how to set up my live stream and yeah, you know, <laughs> but uh, I got my wheels turned now. I kind of want to put in a joke entry and see if we get anything. You guys should. I want to just put in a joke entry and just and just make the cinematography really good. But like, have that be the only good. Like, like the choreography is trash, like actual garbage. But it's shot really well. I only shot really well. <laughs> This entry is a joke. Like it's literally just me being a being a dick and just stealing the cinematography category. You should wear my my old costumes. 
Anyway, yeah, man, I think you're gonna do great. Whatever, whatever, whatever you do, you're uh, undeniably one of the one of the leaders in that category right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so Chris, I have a hypothetical question for you. Yeah. Well, what is it that we can discuss? <laughs> if someone was to give you or us money, funding for a project, what would you do with the budget? Uh, given given everything that we gamble. have, <laughs> just put it all on. Just put it all on black, all baby. Black, double it up, baby. <laughs> I have an I have an opinion on what I think a common uh, budgetary problem that first time independent filmmakers will do with a with a with a substantial not a substantial budget but like a mid-level budget or an entry-level budget they'll buy the best camera system in the world (laughs) rent an airy alexa for no reason (laughs) no i mean but seriously i mean if the the budget's warranted then it's warranted but yeah i know what you're saying is right away people go to we need to make something high quality we should get the best camera in the world (laughs) which i think is is absolutely the dumbest thing that you can do for your independent movie yeah. because it, I mean it all I mean first of all if your story is not good yeah, what, what's the stop point right there. It's stop right there but <laughs> to go out and rent something or purchase something even crazier that, uh, that you have no experience in using or and then you need to go hire a guy who knows how to use it right. I mean you're kind of putting exactly what I was thinking is you know where a lot of my budget would go would probably just be the personnel Yes. Get the, get the right people for the right job, right? Yep. Where I would put budget is, is crew. Hiring more people who know what they're doing and expert, in areas of expertise that we've never had the opportunity to work with before. Sure. Yeah. Hire a camera operator, for example. Maybe you, don't, maybe you just want to be the DP. You know what I mean? Like, or hiring a gaffer. Or, or hire other guys on set production designers. Whatever it is to, to help improve the quality and just kind of like really bolster our numbers and, and kind of like juice up areas that either we are lacking in or areas that we think we can improve upon or just general like this would this would improve this. And then VFX budget. Explore more green screen, blue screen, background replacements, but being able to open our creativity up. Yeah, it opens the doors. Yeah, yeah to, to explore new worlds that we can put our characters in that we've oh, never been able to do before. Yeah, I mean, it's to all those things that, uh, like you said, just come together to make a higher quality thing. Uh, <laughs> well, Chris, I have a fun question game. Oh, well, I don't know if it's gonna be fun. Okay. <laughs> it could not be. <laughs> <laughs> There's no guarantees that you will get any enjoyment out of this. No guarantee. <laughs> What's the closest thing to real magic to you? Uh, the closest thing to real magic, um, I don't know, probably like uh, for me, it's movies. I was gonna say probably a really good movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the most useless talent that you have? Oh, useless talent. I can do that seagull noise. <laughs> Please demonstrate. It's not coming out very good, right? Not now. really that useless. Give me one example where that would be. makes Jackie laugh. <laughs> it does. It entertains her. Does the ladies like it? For the some ladies reason. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. My probably my most useless talent is a talent that I didn't think would be useless. It's probably my. Uh, oh, so that's sad then. <laughs> it's, it's, sad. it's probably my ability. My um talents for, uh, my football talents or my athletic talents football talents oh <laughs> probably they end up turning out to be useless i, w- I, I oh, uh, at one point i thought they would be useful and they were useful in my life but now they're useless <laughs> <laughs> depressing the depressing truth that makes me sad what would be on the gag reel of your life i know the answer to this question for you Oh, what the camera? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? How could you possibly know like an intimate detail? About you were four. I remember like it was yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else would be, would be there. 
All right. Well, what about you for that question? I'm thinking in terms of like bloopers. Sure. I don't know if that's like wrong. That's where I keep, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a blooper or like a, an outtake moment of my life that would, I do remember in six, I think it was sixth grade. I'm blanking on what the question was by the math. It was a math question. She asked something about a formula and I'm, I'm blanking on what the question was, which I guess is important to the story. <laughs> <laughs> However, the relatable moment is that I, I know my answer was going to be the word on the, st- the, uh, the word on the street was my answer. The word on the street. And I don't, this is, so, a, this so, is a math question. Is, <laughs> they, okay, so the situation is that I'm trying to get this straight. The situation is that God, I can't remember the question, but I was so <laughs> sure of my answer that I, uh, I, I basically interpreted her question wrong, and thought she was asking something else with something completely different. I'm just imagining the, the, the answer is probably like a number. <laughs> just throwing it out there number related or like formula related number adjacent but i I threw my hand up because i i was so sure that i had the right answer and knew what she was talking about and thank god she didn't call on me because when i oh wait this didn't actually happen you didn't actually say it no because oh that's disappointing no but in my own mind i was so internally embarrassed that like oh my god thank god she didn't thank god she didn't call on me because i would have embarrassed myself and that was completely wrong and i came this close i wish she did man that would have been funny yeah, that, would, that would have been <laughs> well what's a body part that you wouldn't mind losing what, what, what could you get rid of i don't know i'm thinking there's not that many body parts just like four at most <laughs> <laughs> i know i would not want to lose my hands or feet well that would be most people <laughs> <laughs> well maybe just like a finger or a toe like a shit, like a shitty toe, like a toe that doesn't. <laughs> a shitty toe, yeah. What toe don't you need? Like the middle one, probably. Yeah, because you need the outside toes. They balance the whole thing. Yeah, so the middle ones can kind of. It's go. all about the outside ones. Get rid of the ring finger toe. The ring finger toe. Yeah, you could probably. Lose Why do you that. need that? Not gonna put a ring on it. No, that's not where rings go. <laughs> <laughs> are there toe? There are toe rings, aren't there? Yeah, but that, but that's like a. Yeah. Do you wear toe rings and then wear socks? And then shoes over the... No, it's like a summer thing. It's a summer thing. It's like sandals. It's like show it off. It's like, it was like a 60s thing. Like mood rings. What if you wore rings and didn't want to show them off? What are actually mood rings? Yeah, they change color based on... Yeah, but like what... what how does it do that? <laughs> well, it's not based on your mood. I think it's like... Well, obviously... Because that's, that's <laughs> that would be magic. Because <laughs> that would be the closest fucking thing to magic I've ever seen. <laughs> Mood rings are really for other people. Because uh, you're not going to look at it and be like, oh, I must be angry right now. <laughs> oh my God, the guy's pissed. <laughs> you avoid, you act. It's for other people so they can see what, what mood you're in before they approach you. <laughs> it was made for like relationships. Oh yeah, it was. And No, I don't know that. I'm just I think it was. saying that. Just like a promise ring is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, legitimate thing right. Ryan's ex-girlfriend wanted them to get a promise ring it's the dumbest fucking thing I almost fell over laughing <laughs> he was like what do I do and I was like tell me to go fuck her yeah <laughs> I've never bought a promise ring for somebody it's the dumbest thing what problem or situation did TV and movies make you think would be more common but when you grew up you found out that it wasn't I think there's an obvious one which is quicksand <laughs> Which is the John Mulaney joke? Yeah, about quicksand being way less of a problem than he thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think TV and movies give you, or the anxiety of knowing which wire to cut. <laughs> <laughs> never occurred in my life thus far. <laughs> I've never had been in the situation where I needed to deal with the stress and anxiety of having to do I which do I cut the blue or the red wire. Probably just like in general, how exciting life would be. Oh just man, super boring. <laughs> God, <laughs> right? Not this is not always not true, but they depict high school parties to be way bigger than they actually are. Except that's Maybe not they are true. They, they are someplace. Yeah, they actually are. Yeah, dude, high schoolers are 
freaking young. Yeah. Like weirdly. <laughs> like because you don't think of yourself as that young when you have your memories. Right. But then you're like, oh my god, they're all so short. And you you when you see high school kids tiny. now, you're like, <laughs> like you're like, huh. Yeah, like wow, high school kids are a lot younger and tinier than they're yeah. they're tinier today. Like they're getting they're yeah, getting they're, younger. They're getting smaller. <laughs> they're getting smaller these days. Oh. Like, no, that's how it always was. It was just it's not really a common problem, but You don't have a problem with high schoolers are too small. It really pisses me off. <laughs> it just makes me mad. That's what. If the court system would let me get close enough to. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> Go on to the next question before you say something you regret. <laughs> if you could know the, the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, what? One question. I'm trying to think of like s- some kind of like either unsolved mystery that I was always curious about. Yeah, maybe it's like, are there, is there other life in the universe? Intelligent life. That's all. That's a good one. Who's, no, I think our ghosts. I, is it a ghost? I would, I'd rather want, I would want to oh, know. Oh, that's a good one. About ghosts. Yeah. And spirits. Uh, you know, like ghost hunter stuff. Yeah. I would want to know like one of those instances that like really made me believe in ghosts. Was that actually a ghost? Like, that's what I would know. Was that really someone's voice saying, help me? In the background. Did that happen to you? No, not to me, but like in the TV show (laughs) that I watched, like, was that real? Was that real? Did someone really say that? Was that edited in? Did they, are they fucking with us? All you have to do is ask the generic question, then you pretty much get the answer. I suppose. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. Yeah? I think so. That's cool. I don't know if it's just, if just because it's fun. If it's fun to, it or is like, fun. Um, kind of brings up a whole bunch of other questions. Though. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I like to think that they are real in some way. Okay. I don't know, and right. like all of the you don't know if all the gobbled gook around it is yeah. true. All the ghostly yeah. acquisitions or like evidence, apparitions, and apparitions and shit is real, but like, but it kind of so. Still holding our show on this stuff. Because <laughs> for me, if, if the answer is yes, then you're giving some amount of credence to the idea of... Heaven? Of, or, of, or of afterlife? Something, something along those lines. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's where, where I got caught up. You know, and that's well, where I'm like... Mm-hmm. Right. Because it would be unfair, or maybe not, I don't know. Do animals have That's where I was ghosts? going. Yeah. <laughs> Are there animal ghosts? Wait, I love that. Do animals have ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> because they would? The answer would kind of have to be yes. If you're, if you're saying ghosts are logically I, real. The... I know we don't know a lot about this shit yet. Obviously, there's like a lot that's not but discovered. There's also, the, you could argue that animals don't have not... a spirit or they don't have, yeah, they're not, they don't have a spirit or they don't have a consciousness or they don't have like an inner... It's just putting humans on a pedestal. This is really. like a Joe Rogan show topic. <laughs> <laughs> right? Humans put themselves on pedestals. Yeah, I mean, we that's kind of a, that's kind of nature too. We think that we're superior. We think we're the best. We think we're the best. We're the best. So, yeah, we give justice to our and meaning to our own death. But like, what about animals? Like, wouldn't that be, they also have ghosts and be like fucking ghost deer? Shouldn't there be ghost deer running around everywhere? Well, that's what I'm saying, man. But we could, they don't have a spirit, though. All right, go to the next question. It's your- <laughs> Do you see any good uh, movies recently? I haven't watched anything in so long. I gotta watch something. We watched a, uh, a Netflix... Well, it's not a Netflix series. It's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's not an original Netflix thing. Mm. It's called The Sinner with the guy from Independence Day who played the president. He's like a detective who likes to get really close to the prosecuted. He's a really, really good detective, but he likes to kind of get into their, into their world. And he likes to relate. He's like some obsession with like wanting to relate to the prosecuted, which is like, it could be the murderer, um, suspected murderer, or like person who's in a cult or something. And he'll like, he'll just kind of dive deep into their, into their world but on a dangerous level. And at the root of it, he ends up finding the truth because I guess he believes that 
the justice system will take everything at like surface level. It's very interesting. It gets really good. It's dark. It's very dark. And we had just watched uh, Tenant pretty recently. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one. We hated it. Oh yeah, yes, you told me about that. Absolutely. Why did you Why did you hate it again? Yeah, no, I'm curious. Um, I've he- I've heard good criticisms of it, but I just, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. So I, we watched it. Me is me, Jackie, Chris, and CJ. It came to the point where we paused the movie a little bit halfway. And it was like, no, it was more than, a little more than halfway, maybe like 65, 70% of the way through the movie. And it was funny. I mean, we, turned, we turned subtitles on right away because um, in the case of a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies, you can't hear what the fuck they're saying. I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard Especially that Especially in a movie theater, you can't really hear the dialogue. It's a, Inception is guilty of it mm. big time. Um, so we turned, we had subtitles on. And I mean, we paused the movie because someone had to go to the bathroom. But then I said, I was like, all right, I just want to say, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Look at this. Look at this dialogue. And like, I don't even remember what the line was. Something about like, we got to get the algorithm to the Helios Center. I'm like, what the hell is the, do you guys know what the algorithm is? What the hell is the Helios Center? What the fuck is happening in this movie? This is so dumb. Literally, and we're all talking like- Anti-information. The movie. So- I, I have a theory of why the writing in this movie was so bad was because Christopher Nolan usually writes his movies with his brother and he, his brother has no credit on this movie on tenant. So, which leads me to believe that Christopher Nolan did everything on his own and wrote this whole thing on his own. The whole movie is essentially, uh, it feel, it feels like, this is what it feels like. He had a, a concept, a complicated time travel type of concept but he spent the entire movie trying to explain that to you and it didn't even do a good job of explaining it to you. That's the movie. That's literally the movie. Everything that was great about Interstellar, everything that was good and great about Inception, um, even the prestige, all of the concepts of having a protagonist and a character that like you, you care about or has some kind of emotional uh, connection or some kind of relationship. Nothing. There's nothing. There's not. There's nothing. You you care about nothing. It's supposed to be like this, like espionage style movie. It's the most uh, generic tropey thing ever. It's like the most generic. Oh, they're trying to start World War Three. The world's ending. Dude, literally the last fight scene. They're fighting a big army. We're all going, who the hell are they fighting? Who's this army? What are they shooting at? And you don't even know what they're shooting at. It's like there's buildings below. What the fuck is happening? There was never another army. Dude, I gotta, this movie is ridiculously dumb. I gotta watch it. And like there's some neat set pieces of like interesting action and some like backwards in time fighting, which I know they actually choreographed some reverse time fighting, which is really cool. Um, they didn't. It's a lot of it's not played backwards. They actually performed it backwards, which was really interesting for some of the fight scenes. And some of the ideas of like the time travel stuff is like, it's like while complex has like a neat um, concept to it, except the movie's all, the movie's only about that. There's no story to the characters. There's no character development or arc because the, the entire movie is characters talking at each other. Right. And explaining what's happening, and explaining what's going to happen, and explaining what is currently happening. So it's very just like cold, cut and dry information. Yes, the and that's literally every dialogue scene. I kid you not. It got to the point where we were halfway through, and we're like, we can't, we can't take this anymore. This is they are just literally. It's all exposition. Weird. Man. So bad, dude. It was. I gotta watch it and weigh in. Yeah, you have to. There was nothing about that movie that was amazing. It, it, oh, and I, so that led to us to, I was like, Jackie, you got to see Interstellar because it's, because it is actually amazing and it is really, really good. And it's probably one of his best movies. It's not the best movie that, that he's made. It has the cool concept of time of, um, of space and like the black hole. And like, it's not really time travel. It's like that, uh, you know, what happens when you go into a black hole you know, having the, the future meet with the past and all that stuff. Those concepts are there, right? But it's about the dad and his daughter. It's about a dad mm. uh, trying to come home to his daughter. That's, the part, that's my problem with Tenant. It has zero heart. 
And that's not an over, that's not an exaggeration. There's no heart. The protagonist, this character who's called the protagonist, who literally has no name, has no emotional relationship to anything or anything or anyone. Like that's clear. Like it was written that way on purpose. And I'm not really sure why, because as like the audience, as the viewer, there's without that, without that, yeah, like you said, they're just robotic. They're you just can't they're not grown to anything. To anything. So like, I why would I care what happens to them? How does that fuel the story? It make doesn't make me. Care, it makes me care way less about the story and the characters. And he just shoots these movies in IMAX, giant ass IMAX cameras. Yeah. Like, it, for what? It's just does the spectacle of it. Like, yeah, I, I don't guess. know, man. I don't know. <laughs> It just fell so flat for me. Oh my god! Yeah, for all of us, it's not. It wasn't just me. Right. We all we were all talking about it and discussing it. Like we're like, we couldn't believe it. How like how just yeah yeah huh? I don't know. I would love to hear what Exciting. what James and Ryan sure. I would love to hear what they liked about it. Yeah, me me too. <laughs> I have to go. I have to go back and hear both sides. Of eh, I'll go watch. I'll see for myself. Yeah, yeah, see for yourself. What are you watching anything right now? Any shows? What should I watch? Go watch Space Dandy. Space Dandy? That thing that thing I referenced today? Yeah. I think you'd like it. Where your hair came from? Yeah. The origin story of your hair? Where yeah. where is that streaming somewhere? So this is actually the same I'm pretty sure it's the creator, the same creator as Cowboy Bebop. Oh it is? Mm-hmm. Which came first? Cowboy Bebop in the in the nineties. This is recent. Oh, this is recent. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this that. This is uh they're doing a third season actually. Oh, okay. So there's only two seasons. It's good. Voice acting is superb. Anyway, I think oh. you enjoy it. Um, what, what do you have for me? You have anything for me? Just that, uh, just Tenet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess Tenet. I would love to hear what you, what you think yeah. of it. Just because, and it's not just in our immediate group that is like somewhat divided. Uh, that's like the majority of people, like the reviews that it had, the, the, the critics of the movie. It's a divided movie because sure. especially on YouTube too, there's guys who are calling it the most, like the best movie ever made, a modern masterpiece, a, a movie that beyond its time that is absolutely genius. There's probably people that said anything, but I don't really know what. I don't really know what the heck seeing, we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> we're watching the same movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. All right. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. <laughs> All right. I think that's where we're going to end today's show, folks. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Until You Make It, and um, have yourself a nice d- day or night. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Never too early or late. <laughs> Cheers. Or <laughs> <We're> late. <laughs> For more content, check out Helium Turtle Studios on YouTube, where we post our short films, video tutorials, and behind the scenes. <laughs>